This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm Dan O'Mara. I'm a professor of management here at the Wharton School. And I am an attorney at Ogletree Deacons in Philadelphia and adjunct faculty here at the Wharton School. Your part takes much longer to save than mine. I, uh, um, I wear think, so many hats. I think this is unfair I'm in some ways. So many I think this is, we're going to bring this back to bullying in some way. Yeah. We'll, we'll work on yeah. that. We'll come back later to talk about that now. Over the last few years, actually, on this show, we've talked about this problem a fair bit, and that is kids who leave school uh, having difficulty finding jobs because employers are looking for work-based skills, not just classroom skills. And uh, many employers, most employers now, don't have the kind of internal development programs where mm-hmm. we used to hire kids right out of high school or right out of college and put them in training programs, etc. So that's the gap. Kids need work-based skills. Employers want them. Employers aren't providing them. What do we do? Most everybody, including me, who's looked at this said, boy, apprenticeships make terrific sense, but for lots of reasons, we just don't seem to have enough of them. So we're going to look into one uh, in this uh, half hour of the show here, and with us to talk about this is Stan Best from the Apprenticeship School at the Newport News Shipbuilding Yard in Virginia, and this is celebrating its 100th anniversary, the uh, Apprenticeship School, so it's quite a story. Stan, welcome. Thank you. And Stan, I think uh, someplace, I don't know whether you did this, but someplace people describe you as the historian of the school. Is that an official title or is that just <laughs> no, in practice? All. Okay. Okay. Right. Good. My official title is a training manager. I'm responsible for the academic courses in business, computers, and communication. Okay. So tell us maybe a, a little, Stan, just to get into this, a little bit about the history of this school. So it's been there 100 years. And um, tell us a little about how it got started, close ties to the U.S. Navy, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Uh, actually, go back just a little bit further. The Newport New Shipbuilding is 133 years old. Okay. It, it was founded by Collis P. Huntington back in 1886. And the reason it was founded was he had brought the Chesapeake, Ohio Railroad down to Newport News because it was the furthest north warm water port. It didn't freeze during the winter, and he wanted oh. to be able to ship coal all year long. Okay. Well, to ship coal, he figured he needed a shipyard to repair the ships, so he, he created a shipyard. Okay. But the interesting thing is, if you look at the Hampton Roads area, that's not a shipbuilding area in New huh. England normally is. Yeah. Well. So very early on, we had to figure out a way to be able to train people in this, this industry of shipbuilding. Okay. So the very first apprentice and the apprenticeship predates the apprentice school. So okay. the very first apprentice started in 1889, but then the president of the company in July 1st, 1919, actually solidified what we now know as the apprentice school, having academics on the clock. So the students are taking classes and being paid their hourly rate while they're in class, as well as working on the waterfront, learning the different trades that they're, they're uh, signed up for. Okay. And the apprenticeship school, though, is not owned by the shipyard, is it? Oh, yes, it is. It yes, is. We're an integral part. Yes, sir. Okay, so you're owned by the Newport News Shipyard. And is that a private company or is that uh, something else? 
It is. It's a subsidiary of Huntington Ingalls Industry. Okay. Uh, we okay. spawned off from Northrop Grumman back in 2011, and HII has three subsidiaries, Newport News, uh, Ingalls Shipyard down on the Gulf Coast, and then Technical Solutions is the third that's getting into all kinds of areas outside of shipbuilding. Okay. So tell us maybe about your own experience, Dan, because you're an alumnus of the school as well. So how did you get into it? What were you thinking when you came in? That sort of stuff. Well, if we go back far enough, when I was in high school, I knew about the apprentice school, uh, but I really thought going to the apprentice school would have been a way of being pigeonholed, you know, being stuck as a craftsman and never having an opportunity to learn what I could learn in college. Okay. So I was going to go to college, and I went to Virginia Tech, and I was there for a year and a half, and then I left before they could throw me out. <laughs> you showed I, them. I, I did. <laughs> I did. I, did. You know, I just, I was not prepared. I didn't know that, but I was not prepared for the rigors of college. Yeah. yeah. So I came home. I got married. I worked for a couple of years at different odd jobs, uh, always having this desire to go back and continue my education. Okay. Uh, back then, you applied by paper, and I got a paper application to the apprentice school at Newport News and was accepted and went in as an electrical apprentice in 1985. Okay. So in your class, what were the people like who came in? Were these folks who had paths that looked like yours or mainly kids right out of high school or people who bounced around a bit? What was typical? Uh, typical, well, back then there was a requirement you had to be under 25. Oh, really? So, yeah. And hmm. you could not, if you transferred in the shipyard, in other words, if you were already working at the shipyard, and you transferred in, you had to go back to beginning pay for an apprentice. Okay. So right. it was right. very rare for people to do that, okay. to afford the pay cut. Mm-hmm. And there were several people that had my experience, been to school for a year or two, but was very rarely you'd ever see anybody with more education than that okay. uh, coming into the apprentice school. And then, of course, yes, there's a lot of high school students coming right out of high school and starting their apprenticeship. They didn't have that misconception I had. When I, you know, when I was in high school, so they come in. Yeah, and um, and by the way, uh, you were in high school at a point when uh, that was a very common point of view, and it's one of the reasons why, in most parts of the U.S., vocational education was dismantled, or at least a lot of it dismantled, because of the perception that uh, kids who went there were going to be kept away from college and the good jobs and the white collar life that that might be. Provided, so it turned out, of course, not. Which to... leads us as a society to have a shortage of electricians, plumbers, welders, and a, a wealth of history majors and yeah, sociology yeah, majors. Yeah, it's a, definitely a problem. So, tell us a little bit about how the process works. So, as you say, these uh, folks like you, when you come in the door, you're unskilled, but they're paying you already, right? That's that's correct. You start off. Uh, our apprentices right now come in at being paid over seventeen dollars an hour. Okay, uh, they spend. Roughly 8,000 hours, that's four years, 7,000 of it on the waterfront working in their individual trades. Okay. Uh, 1,000 of it in the academics that supports that, uh, that, that trade. Okay. And then uh, they have opportunities, and that's, the, I think, the key word to the apprentice school, opportunities to continue their education. Some, if they do well, can go on to earn their associate's degree. Some, if they even do better, could go on and get their engineering degree okay. uh, from the local university here. So uh, there's all kinds of opportunities. But the thing is, when they're done, unlike a college student who's just racked up debt and trying to find a job, 
they have a job. Yeah. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. the job they have pays about $62,000 a year when they finish yeah. for an apprentice that came in today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty remarkable. So uh, you're paying these folks $17 an hour roughly when they walk in the door, right? Correct. And this is uh, one of the things that's so different about this is that it is a real job. You're doing real work. And you're also taking academic classes at the same time. Yeah? That is correct. And uh, so tell us, uh, an, an apprentice, uh, pick uh, the field that you started in, let's say, in, in uh, electrical work. What do they do? So they walk in the door, you don't know anything, uh, and you're That's doing it. a 40-hour-a-week job. What's the job? Well, at first it's helping another mechanic. So that okay. over-the-shoulder that has been part of apprenticeships for the last 2,000 years, yeah. mm-hmm. you start off there, but okay. it doesn't take long for you to start to get the skills to be able to start working the job yourself. Okay. Uh, okay. I was fortunate at the time I came through, I was able to go through my four-year apprenticeship program through uh, in 37 months. Oh, okay. Because uh, okay. there was a way to accelerate that if you showed aptitude, and I did. Okay. But you're right. I walked in with no skills whatsoever uh, as far as that trade. Uh, I learned the trade and thinking that I was going to now become a trade foreman. Uh, the apprentice school produces leaders in our company. Mm-hmm. Half half the waterfront leadership are apprentice graduates. So it's 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 definitely creating the leaders that we need for tomorrow to continue this industry. Mm-hmm. But I actually had a stranger turn because not long after I finished my apprenticeship, I was asked if I could wanted to be a nuclear test engineer. Oh, hmm. so there was a, a group of us that went on to another form of apprenticeship, if you would, uh, went through a training program, and uh, within a year and a half of me finishing my apprenticeship, I'm uh, actually responsible for two reactors on the USS Enterprise. Mm. So let me tell uh, folks just a little piece of trivia, which I happen to know about this. The phrase test engineer, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, common across the industry now, uh, started, uh, became most common at General Electric, and it dates back to the Edison Institute's, Thomas Edison's mm-hmm. uh, creation. Thomas Edison's company was acquired ultimately by General Electric. And what the test engineer there was is a new hire engineer who was basically treated a little bit like an apprentice in a two-year program, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the test engineer comes out, even though these were four-year graduates, right, um, in, in those companies, right? So a uh, pretty common thing there. Let's uh, Stan, tell us a little bit about what you were learning academically. So the work was, started out like most apprentices, you know, working for somebody who is highly skilled, they're giving you little tasks to do, you master those, you work your way up a little bit. But what are you learning in a classroom uh, in terms of the well, academic material? One of the things you learn is the business of shipbuilding. Really? Uh, it is, yes, absolutely. So the okay. kind of contracts we, we use, the type of charging we use, uh, dealing with the uh, federal acquisition requirements, the FAR, is uh, kind of unique in and of itself. Uh, you learn the physics behind a lot of what we do, the materials. So we, we build out of steel. Uh, we have different kinds of steel that we have to use depending on the product we're building. So you're learning those materials uh, that we're using. Hmm. Um, drafting to be able to read the drawings, 
Okay. And uh, so that that was the kind of kind of coursework, as well as the electrical theory courses. So I learned DC theory, AC theory, motor controllers, statics, those kinds of things. Okay. To understand the circuits I was working. On. But it sounds like, uh, and maybe this is true now, you could give us a sense that a lot of what you you were learning are not necessarily just the practical things you might need in order to do the job after you finish the apprenticeship, right? Well, that's true, and and I I do a thought experiment with my students, mainly because of my background, but I tell them, you know, if you were a student sitting in class in 1945 out in Los Alamos, they were going to test the first nuclear bomb. Within 15 years at Newport News, we're building ships that run on that same power. Yeah. My job as an instructor is to teach the students to prepare them so that 15 years from now, some power source that I'm not even aware of that exists or will exist, Mm -hmm. that they'll be able to operate that power plant and be able to continue to build chips that run off of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you say is the hardest thing for apprentices to learn uh, in this process? Maybe you think about your own experience. What was was the hardest thing to get? Well, General skill, right? Right. The, I think for a lot of young people, the hardest part of it is job skills, getting up every day at a certain really? time and coming to work wow. and those things. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times some folks struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. was very fortunate. Neither one of my parents graduated from high school, but they both went. My mother was a licensed practical nurse, and my father was a machinist at the Virginia Pilot, the local newspaper here, and they had both gone through technical schools. Mm-hmm. So I had that work ethic, and so the academics – uh, I could focus on that and not worry so much about the work because, again, that was already kind of instilled in me. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we need we need students that that can work as a as a team because no one individual builds an aircraft carrier. So we need people that can work together as teams that can problem solve, that can do critical thinking. Those sometimes intangible skills uh, is really what we're looking for because yeah. the skills they need to do the job. That's what we do. We train that. So right. that's. Right. Now, we're used to doing that, been doing it for 100 years. So if we can we can bring in people with those intangible skills, then, then we've got something to work with. Folks, I think that was, has always been the case. Folks, we're talking with Stan Best, who is the training manager in charge of education at the Apprentice School uh, at Newport News Shipbuilding in Virginia. This is one of the oldest apprentice schools in the United States, founded 100 years ago now. And we're talking a little bit about... Uh, what that process of being an apprentice is like. Stan, let me ask you uh, about some of those things like the ability to work in teams and the ability to show up on time. Are those things you're you're screening for or are those things that you're teaching once people get there? These are kind of basic behavioral skills, you might well, say. Well, we do both, to be honest with you, because to apply to the apprentice school is to apply for a job. Oh, okay. You go through a job interview because okay. we are hiring you. Yeah. So we do kind of look for that uh, when when we're interviewing candidates to see that they have the kind of skills we think they can bring to the table to be the future leaders that we okay. hope they'll become. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also instill that. We have uh, leadership is something that we start off in the academic program covering our leadership principles. Uh, there is a program for after they get through academics that students can be prepared to be the frontline foreman. We call that frontline fast. And uh, we even take a group of people uh, at the end of their apprenticeship to the College of William & Mary to go through a week-long leadership experience there. So we, that right? we, hmm. we, we, we try to step them through. And then, of course, once they finish their apprenticeship, they're, they're not done. The company itself continues to have uh, ways of helping to develop the future leaders of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, our apprentice school 
has developed. Uh, we've had 15 vice presidents from the company come out of there and one president of the company really? who has mm. been graduates of the school. So mm. you will find apprentice graduates all over the company and literally all over the country doing mm-hmm. things uh, in their community. Yeah, I want to come back to that in, in just a second. Give us a, a sense of the scale of this. How many students you got in there at one time? We're a little over 800 students right now. We wow. generally bring in about 250 students a year. Yeah, uh, And, of course, now it's... It's that our application is online. It's you know I said when I came in, it was a paper application. It was mainly people from the Hampton Roads area. Yep. But now mm-hmm. we get people from all over the country that apply and, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually get in. So it's uh, quite a diverse population, even compared to 1985 when I came in. Are your graduates when they're once they're done with the apprenticeship program, free to go work down in Florida or up in New England? Anywhere they want. Really? Uh, hmm. the, as soon as the day they finish, there is no requirement, but they do have that job already there. I mean, they continue working where they where they were working the day before. Uh, well, so that's a, a great advantage that they, they don't have to worry about that. But uh, we have people that have gone on to other areas of the community uh, and are very supportive of our alumni association. So, hmm. uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a great thing for the community as well as for the shipyard to, for these folks to go through the apprentice school. Well, as of the day that they graduated, have you, in a sense, lost money on them as of that point? Right. I, my understanding was years ago they, they did a study and, and kind of figured out at about the 18-month point they were actually making money hmm. because hmm. – our training is not on some kind of uh, uh, device that's never going to be used. Yep. We're directly working on the very ships we're building. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. of course, like I said, at first you start off as a helper and helping some other mechanic. But as you start to develop those skills, you, you've got the value of, of being able to do that job. And you can see that all throughout the waterfront because whenever there's opportunities, people start asking, you know, where are the apprentices? How can we get the apprentices involved in, in this new facet of uh, shipbuilding? Yeah. Okay. So if you look at uh, your workforce now, what percentage of the people who are working jobs that could have been filled by apprentices, in fact, are filled by apprentices, are alumni of your program? Well, we have... 24,000 employees right now at Newport News Shipbuilding, yep. and a little over 3,000 of them are apprentice graduates. Okay. So uh, the, the great thing about uh, – one of the great things about the apprentice school is you tend to find people 15 years after they've graduated, and again, there was no requirement for them to stay, are still there. You've got mm-hmm. people like me who's been there almost 34 years, mm-hmm. uh, and folks who have been there a lot longer than me. So. I always laugh and say you have to be there at least 30 years before they stop calling you the new guy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's probably probably true. Now, you mentioned your specialty was electronics. Uh, what are the other that's specialties? Correct. Welding, I imagine, is one of them, or maybe we not? We have welding. No, we do. We have welding. We have uh, ship fitting, which is putting the parts and pieces together. Mm-hmm. We have heavy metal fabrication, bending all the metal parts so that they fit into the pieces that make the ship. Uh, we have pipe fitters. We have outside machinists that install the mechanical equipment in the ship. We have inside machinists that do the machining work of, of shafts and, and components that go into the ship. We have a foundry, so we've got molders that make the pattern, that make the uh, molds and pour the metal, uh, the molten metal into wow. the different shapes and things we have in there. Uh, which means we have a pattern maker shop that makes the, the patterns that go into those sand molds. Um, we have coating specialists. We have insulators. Everything that you would need to build a ship, mm-hmm. we we generally have that in the apprentice school and always have. 
you know, it, it may be a little different. When we started 133 years ago, some ships were made from wood, so you yeah. had caulkers and sailmakers and things like that. Uh, and we've gone through blacksmiths and angle benders and things like that. But today, you know, these trades are very applicable to the ships we build uh, for the United States Navy. Mm-hmm. Who does the design of the ships? Uh, designers there within the shipyard. Mm-hmm. So we have our own engineering group. Some of our apprentices will go get their engineering degree and go on to become engineers. Uh, the nice thing about that is they started off on the waterfront, so they saw how the uh, systems come together yep. and what it has, mm-hmm. what engineering has to go into it to be able to build it. And then they, they end up being the engineers that actually do some of the design work. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, not all the engineers uh, have that path. Some of them come straight from the universities uh, and get hired in as well. But uh, we, we find a lot of value in, in, again, apprentice graduates filling any role within the shipyard. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the pr- approach in Germany. I think to some extent they still think this way, that uh, if you have engineers who have begun as apprentices, they make at least very different kind of engineer in many ways more useful engineer. More practical. Yeah. Um. So here's I can't yeah. So the question I wanted to ask Stan Dan was heading down this road yeah. before is uh, to other employers, right? So one of the things we hear from employers is we can't train. Uh, you know, it's too expensive, or they're just going to quit. As soon as we train them, they leave us to our competitor. Yeah, they leave going to your competitors. Uh, what do you say to those employers? Uh, and uh, what is it that you think makes it possible for you guys to do this? And so many other places say they can't. Well, I, I think it has to start with the work environment itself. Okay. Um, one of the things our apprentices get a sense of not long after they've started is they're part of something bigger than themselves. Okay. I mean, yep. we build nuclear aircraft carriers and nuclear submarines for the Navy. Mm-hmm. We had one of those apprentice graduates that became a vice president a few years ago made the statement that our job is to make sure our Navy never finds themselves in a fair fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we okay. build that kind of product. And and so it doesn't take long before you, you start to look at the work you're doing, see some product you've built on the news in the middle of a conflict somewhere yeah. on the far side of the world, and you realize, hey, what I'm doing actually makes a difference in the world, not yeah. just here yeah. at Hampton Roads. Yeah, so that's, a mission. that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. as Dan says, mission matters a lot here to motivate the kids and keep them keep them going. Yeah. Let me ask a practical question about the skills. So you've got uh, people entering these apprenticeship programs. Do they get to choose or do they apply for a particular track in the apprentice program? Well, it's, it's kind of both. They apply for a particular track. Of course, we have requirements of what are the needs, so we try to fit those needs with what they've requested. Okay. But sometimes there's a negotiation because we ask them to make a first, second, and third choice. Oh, okay. You don't get your first choice. You might have to take your second. Uh, one thing I've heard you say a couple of times that I, I might want to correct is it's not necessarily just kids. I told you when I came in, yep. the, requir- the age requirement was under 25. Right. That went out, that went out uh, back around 2000. So there is no age requirement. There are people that are 55 starting really? the apprentice school. No yeah. Yeah. There are people that hmm. uh, it's a second career now. Hmm. Yeah. They were involved and in, in maybe retired from the Navy. And now they're ready to start a second career, and they hmm. started with the apprentice school. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's because, as a sailor, they were serving on a ship being uh, built or repaired in the shipyard. Yep. And they said, well, you know, they learned about the apprentice school then, and they wanted to be a part of that after as a second career. Mm-hmm. What percentage of your, your, your school and of your best employees have a, a real love of things nautical? 
Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I can remember back when the movie Hunt for Red October came out, it was like everybody took the day off because everybody <laughs> had to go see one of our products, you know, in, in a movie. So it was... Uh, did they really, I, you know, did they film it, uh, any of that around uh, Newport News in your shipyard? Was any of that uh, in the movie? No, I don't, I don't believe so, okay. no, sir. Okay. It was, it was just the, the, the idea. 58 class yep. submarine was yep. something we built at the time. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, it's, it's hard to judge people's hearts. But uh, when I when I use my own example, I always said back in '85 when I went in there, I would have much rather worked at NASA. Hmm. And the idea of building spaceships would have been far more enticing to me than to building naval vessels. Yeah. And I right. can't tell you the day it happened, but there's there is some time. You know, my my study is full of ships now, and so I. <laughs> The yeah. shipbuilding thing got into my blood and, and uh, has become a part of me as well. And I think people that stay there more than the minimum, more than the four years, I don't think it takes very long. And sometimes maybe even before then that, mm-hmm. uh, again, what we do is so important that all of a sudden, you know, shipbuilding and, and, and being part of that program is uh, is a part of them. So when you look at the other shipyards in the U.S. that um – are are working for the Navy. Where else are we now? Is Groton still building submarines up there? Yes, actually, we build uh, with uh, Electric Boat. We are in partnership with them okay. to build the Virginia-class submarine. So okay. very interesting. They build a part of it, and we build a part of it, and we may ship our part to them, or they may ship their part to us. Okay. And then we put it all together in, in our facility. Now, how do they get their workforce? Do they have apprenticeship systems like you do? I don't know, to be honest with you, if their apprenticeship program is like ours. I assume they have something similar. Uh, but even Norfolk Naval is a government yard that's just across the, the Hampton Roads from us. Okay. And uh, they have a similar program, but it operates differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's a government job, not a private employer. Right. Uh, and they end up bringing in people once a year. Well, we will this year. We're going to bring in people six times a year. So uh, it, it, it's just slightly different, and they do, the way they do their academics is a little different, too, but I'm, I don't know the details of, of their program. So your program, when you say six times a year, that means you have an entering class six times a year? We have an entering group, yep. And then Every they two months. To, we have uh, four accelerated semesters academically, so we'll fit them into the next one that gets ready to get started. So if they come in now, they'll be prepared for the, the fall academic term. And, of course, because we bring people in at various times in the year, we have people going out of the program completing yeah, it at right. various times of the right. year. Makes now, sense. we have one graduation ceremony that we do in February of each year for the previous year's worth of, of graduates. So uh, but there are people graduating almost every month from the apprentice school. Okay. And what's hot in terms of uh, the fields that students want to go into? What's, what are the most popular ones right now? Well, the largest ones we have right now is the shipboard electrician and the welders okay. uh, because of the building of the hull and and to uh, and, and then the outfitting of the hull with all things electronic because most of the, the ships are moving more in electrical uh, direction. Yeah. Uh, but there are other things. Our advanced programs, they're, they're very competitive. And so we've got students that are trying to get into modeling and simulation because hmm. uh, mm-hmm. we model all different areas of the shipyard. So computer-based uh, com- computer-based modeling. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. Okay. Matter of fact, the the Ford, the last uh, aircraft carrier we built, it was designed with a product model first. So it was it was totally in the computer. You could put on uh, VR glasses and actually go through the ship uh, in electronic form. 
before we ever laid the first piece of steel. Mm-hmm. Again, so, a great difference from the way it used to be because we used to build physical models, make things out of wood and yeah. and things. And uh, now now everything's becoming electronic. So that was uh, heading toward my question, which is, do you have, find it difficult to get apprentices to do the work which is specific to the shipyard itself that doesn't transfer neatly to any other any other employers? No, I don't think so, because I think most apprentices that come in uh, realize that what we're doing is teaching them a trade but in the same respect, we're making them into shipbuilders and leaders within the company. Okay. Like I said, there's a lot of folks that not long, like me, not long after they finish their apprenticeship, they're going into a totally different field. I didn't even know the field I went into even existed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I should have supposed since we were building nuclear-powered ships, but mm-hmm. it, it never crossed my mind when I came in that I would have an opportunity to do that. So, uh, again, our students... You'll find them in all the various occupations within the shipyard uh, after they finish their apprenticeship. And uh, so I think most of them see this as as exactly what it is, the opportunity to show that they have the ability. One of the things our apprentices do is they rotate every six months. So in that four years, they've had eight different jobs. So they show a tremendous amount of Mm. flexibility uh, and an ability to work with others because no individual builds a submarine or an aircraft carrier, so being able to work with others, others as a team uh, really uh, you know, it benefits them. It helps them to mature and grow as an individual and makes them a part of the, the, the company uh, at Newport News Shipbuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan's all terrific stuff. Uh, thanks very much for being with us, and congratulations to the school and its 100th anniversary, this apprenticeship uh, arrangement uh, is wonderful for the kids and sounds good for the company as well. Uh, we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back and talk about a less pleasant topic this time, uh, and that is about uh, shooting in the workplace and uh, what we know about that and how we might think about trying to do something about it. We'll be back in just a minute. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 